The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, offer no resistance to one who is evil. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand over your cloak as well. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two miles. Give to the one who asks of you, and do not turn your back on one who wants to borrow. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his sun rise on the bad and the good, and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. Uh, does I, yeah, I don't know. Do, does it excite you or, or fill you with dread to know that, you know, we could talk about this gospel all week? <laughs> dread, apparently. Yeah, okay, good. Good for you, yeah. Yeah, don't hold back there. Okay, um, yeah, you know. No, this is great. Uh, there's, a lot going, there's a lot going on here, right? And, there's, and it's, um, some of it we get quite quickly and some of it we don't. The stuff that we get in this passage, the stuff that we get quite quickly, we want there to be more gospel in the sense that the command is so clear and direct and impossible that we just want to skip on to something else. You know, it's like, okay, okay, so he said that, but he probably said some other stuff as well, and maybe we can, maybe we can sink our teeth into that. So, of course, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to go right for, the, <laughs> right for the heart of it. Okay, so but let's let's work our way let's work our way in. First, I think a comment about what what closes and then push back. So here, right? How does the passage close? Jesus saying, "Be perfect, just as your heavenly Father is perfect." Okay. Now, as a recovering perfectionist, I'm serious. I have to say, it's not what you think it is. Perfection. It's not what you think it is. The perfection of God, Jesus gives us in this passage, and it's it's not. Um, trying to be in control of every little detail, right, of every little thing. And, you know, and I can say that, again, as a recovering perfectionist, and I can push back into, into many mental maladies and say, you know, you're not in control, actually, right? And this is the source of so many things that plague us. I would say mental illness. It's not exactly, right? It's mental dis-ease or discomfort and, and all the way up to true mental illness, is our trying to control things that we can't control. But actually, it's before that, right? Because there's anxiety that exists before that. Because we live, we live vulnerably in the world. Not, I'm not too fond of quoting atheists, but I think it was, a, I think it was an atheist who, who called us cosmic orphans, right? who coined that term. We're cosmic orphans. Well, and we feel that way from time to time. I mean, especially when we live outside of the, of the reach and embrace of God, we're likely to experience the world like that. I'm vulnerable. 
right? It's, it, humans are not that hard to kill, right? We're very weak. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to get into that, but <laughs> we, it's right that we feel vul, vul, vulnerable and that, right, that things, are, things are out of our control. Yeah, most everything in the world is out of your control. What do you do with that? Right? Now, we, we are blessed to have been called by God into relationship with him, a relationship that informs us that we're not cosmic orphans. Our, our Heavenly Father cares for us beyond our imagining. In fact, he delights in us. He delights in you. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna, I'll keep going back to that for all time, I think, because it's, it's so powerful to know that God loves me. Yeah, and we need to know that in our bones. Yeah, we're not, we're not cosmic orphans, right? That's a temptation. That's the lie. And we don't, and we don't need to embody that. We need to, we need to embrace the call that has us live in this, this uh, intimate, personal relationship with Christ Jesus is actually what the, what the passage is all about. Um, but also we, we're called in the power of the Spirit to take our place in the Trinity as God's beloved sons and daughters. This is, again, the whole, this is, the, this is Christian life. This is the whole of Christian life, to be, in that, to be in that embrace. So here, what does it mean to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect? He's, Jesus has given us some sense of things here, but perfection is perfection in love. It's not, see, this is the thing. It's not perfection in grasping and controlling. It's perfection in giving ourselves away. Right? It's, ve it's a very different, and, and that leads to uh, mental wellness and, and wellness writ large of every kind when we recognize that our lives are given to us to be given away to God in praise and thanksgiving and then to the world in his service, wherever he's called us to be. And if we live that non-clingy life, then we're going, to find our, we're going to find ourselves quite well indeed. Well enough to do the impossible. And this is what Jesus here is commanding us to do. He's calling us to do the impossible. You remember, we remember from the first reading, it closes with love your neighbor as yourself. But if you listen closely, it also has in that reading a definition of who, you, who your, the neighbor is. And the neighbor in that scene is your fellow Jew. So it's Jew to Jew. Okay? That sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? I once, I once met a rabbi, his, uh, he, and he wrote a book called Jew Got Questions. So if, I, if, I find, if I'm tickled at that, you, you'll excuse me. It's, and, I must, and you may know, you may not know, I myself am Jewish. Yeah, Martha is attesting to the fact my mother is Jewish. It's, it's, a, it's a tribal thing. It's matrilineal. So anyway, I was scared there for a second. You thought I was like uh, anti-Semitic or something. This is like a, this is like a bad stand-up routine. Okay, anyway, it's, I'm praying it's going to get better. Okay, Here's, this, is, this is it. He's commanding, Jesus is commanding us to do the impossible. He's commanding us to do what he's called us to do, which means that it's on, it's on him to make it happen but he is going to make it happen if we entrust ourselves to him. And it goes beyond here, love of kin and kindred, right? It goes, it goes beyond love of narrow, more narrowly defined neighbor, 
Yeah, because, right, if you love, yeah, you're so great. You greet your brothers only. You won't greet your non-brothers. You love those who love you. Great, everybody else does that. You don't have to come to church to love people who love you. Do you? Oh, uh, maybe you do. <laughs> I'm weak enough that I probably have to as well. I come to church to love people who don't love me. I mean, primarily. Yeah, I come to church to be, to be and I say come to church. What I mean is I come to Jesus, right? I'm, I am drawn into relationship with Jesus so as to be made capable of doing what is otherwise impossible without him, which is loving the people that he brings into my life. Remember, I have no control over I have some control. I have control over how I respond to people that Jesus calls into my life. Some, right? Some of that is actually outside of my control. And I come to Jesus for renewal. The renewal that here, by commanding me to love my enemy, he also promises, makes consummate promises to say, I will renew you so you can love your enemy. And it's that exchange of grace that Jesus wants to catch us up in so that we can be truly salt and light people. We can be, just as, just as Jesus is the, the perfect revelation of God as man, so now we have to be God's face. We have to be God's hands and feet and the rest. We have, yeah, have to be, I don't know. We're called to be. And he's then equipping us, animating us, sustaining us in, in the task. Okay, I don't know, maybe I should go back and do some more Israel stuff, but you hear, you hear that so much, and Jesus is so brilliant here, I think it warrants ex and it, more of an extended look on, on his words. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I think, it was, I think it was Martin Luther King Jr. who said, an eye for an eye makes the world go blind. Was it Gandhi? Yeah. One of those spiritual gurus. No, just, <laughs> yes. And I think, and, and people have picked up what Gandhi offered there as well, right? To say this is violence, but actually the Lex Talionis was, was a matter of great mercy that God commanding his people to only take an eye for an eye is actually a mercy. Because, because why? Because if you take one of mine, I want both of yours. I don't want one. And this is, the, this is the cycle of violence, right? This is the chain of violence that God himself intends to stop, right? To say, okay, justice, yes, but it has limits. And we all need to recognize that as well, right? Because we, because we get angry from time to time and anger pushes us to correct injustice, but maybe we indulge it a little bit too much and it pushes us beyond the parameters of justice. And it pushes us again into the, into the realm of God or the realm of our wanting to be God. I'm going to take revenge, actually, because that, see, that would seem to satisfy me. Yeah, but so he says here, but Jesus isn't content with that. He's not even content with this, which is actually better than just letting things run as they, as they would. Right? An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Actually, at least there's some modicum of justice there. This is not what Jesus wants for his, for his people. For his people to whom he is revealing God and his people who are called to reveal God. To reveal who God is. To reveal God in his perfection. His perfection is charity. 
whose perfection is love. So, when someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other as well. Okay, now let me run through it. Because I, I want to make sure we're not like simple pacifists, okay? And if you're a pacifist, I'm okay with that. It's, perfect, it's perfectly acceptable in the realm of political <laughs> posturing, right? I mean, Dorothy Day, I think, was, was a pacifist, and she's like one of my top heroes. Now, you can do whatever you want with that as well, and I'll, I'll let you misunderstand Dorothy Day if that's where you want to take it. But anyway, here, if you're struck on your right cheek, you only get hit with your right hand. We'll talk about that some other time. If you're struck on your right cheek, you're hit with the back of your hand. That's the way someone, that's the way someone in Jesus' time strikes an inferior. Right? So what is he? Yeah, I know. I have to do it as well. Okay? So he says, someone strikes you on your right cheek, turn the other one as well. Right? Turn and offer the other one as well. So you can, okay, hit me. Treat me as an inferior. But I will turn, I will turn my face so that you have to treat me as someone on a level with you. Go on, hit me again. But this time as an equal. This is, this is a bit edgier than you thought, right? This is like, this is not pacifism. This is, this is creative engagement. And this is the engagement of love. Is it good? Now, I, this is wild stuff in, in a sense that, is it good for someone to treat you as an inferior? No, you are made in the image and likeness of God. You're God's beloved child. That person should treat you as at least an equal. Yeah? I mean, they probably have issues themselves, right? So you, they want, you want them to treat them better than they would treat themselves. But this is part of it is saying, put them in a position where, okay, fine, you want to treat me like that, but treat me as an equal. And there's something there that strikes a bit deeper than a simple kind of moralism or pacifism, whatever. It's the creative engagement, I think, that only love can fuel. Yeah, but our ability to, to keep turning the other cheek in the spaces where we are going to be put on and attempted to be pushed over can only be sustained with love and can only be sustained by concern for the other. You might want to, yeah, if you want to grapple with that, you can. But this is part of what loving your enemies means. Yeah? If anyone wants to go to law with you over your tunic, hand, them, hand over your cloak as well. Okay, cloak and tunic. How many articles of clothing did someone wear in that, in that time and age? <laughs> Two. You have a cloak and you have a tunic, right? So they want... Your tunic, I presume they, you owe them something or they have some charge against you or whatever it is. Anyway, they have power over you, push you, whether or not, is this fair? Is it unfair? There's some sense, of course, here that it's an injustice to, to, take, the man's, uh, to, make, to take the man's tunic. In fact, he would take the tunic because there are prohibitions against taking the cloak of a poor man and not returning it before nighttime because that's all he has to sleep in. So he'll take your tunic. You've got your cloak. You've got your cloak. What does Jesus say? They want your tunic. Give them the cloak as well. You're naked. 
Guys, sorry, I had to make the connection. Do you know what I mean? You stand naked in front of the person who is trying to denude you. What does that do for them? What does it do for you? What does it do for them? If you have the, if you have the boldness that, again, only, only love can sustain, really. Only knowing that, you know, God loves us. Can we, can we sustain this, this kind of activity? Um, we might have the possibility to shame the other into seeing the injustice of what they are prosecuting. Yeah, this is creative engagement and the creative engagement of, of love. Should anyone press you into service for one mile, go for two. Yeah, so there's a, there's a law at that time. There, this is an occupied people, right? There are, there are Roman soldiers all around. And at any time, they can press you into service to carry all their stuff, all their equipment for one mile. So you're pressed into service for one mile. What are you going to do? You're going to grumble. You know, you're going to be frustrated. You're going to curse the person. You're going to... How effective will that be? Not. It will cause the person to double down. And of course, they're doing what they are allowed to do. So this is just the way it is, so on and so forth, right? No. Go two. Go two miles. You take a step beyond one mile, that Roman soldier is going to start getting pretty concerned, right? Because he's not allowed to press you into service for a mile. And you've totally turned the table on him, right? This is, I mean, this is the, this is the kind of stuff, this is the creative engagement in love that Jesus wants his followers to follow. And there's, you know, these are just three little sketches, and they don't really, they, they hardly apply to us, except that we get a sense of the creative engagement that, that it means to be a follower of Jesus. Creative engagement with the world, and also, I think, a new way of looking at our troubles and our problems and our struggles as a people who has been called to be perfect, to, to bring God's love to life for friend and enemy alike, this is, the, this is the kind of struggle that we're going to find ourselves in. We should expect to find ourselves in. And when we, again, when we find ourselves in struggles like these, what is our response going to be? Will we tap into the creative and life-sustaining power of God? Or, do we, or will we just moan about it? You know, we're just going to complain about it. We're going to grumble. We're going to hold on to our grievances. We're going to become angry. We're going to, right, just go, why? But go the way of the world, right? Go the way of the world. But we have access to something much greater than the way of the world. We have the way who is Christ Jesus. And who, and who, who can accomplish even the impossible in us. And that's it. We have, we have to love. As I said, this is the, the Sermon on the Mount is about mission. Yeah, this is, this is mission statement stuff from Jesus. We're called to, we have been called to live lives of great and costly love. We're not capable of it ourselves or of our own strength or wherewithal. In fact, to not be in the embrace of God and to receive this command uh, would just be, uh, I, don't, I don't know, it would, we, would be, we, would, we would have to question Jesus, right? Is this a cruel joke? You're commanding us to do what is impossible. 
And of course, we start to realize there that this is, these are not, say, simple commands that Jesus is plucking out of thin air. This is actually the shape and pattern of his own life. Right? Who, who, whose last words were, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Right? He, he goes to his death forgiving the people who unjustly accused him and crucified him. Yeah. And having gone to his death under, the, under a burden that was, that was improperly placed on him, he breaks through death to breathe his life into us now so that, so that we can follow him faithfully on that way, on the way of loving our enemies. So do we love our enemies? Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's salt and light stuff, right? And I don't, and I, like Jesus, I don't, we don't bring this as a matter of condemnation. You don't love your enemies? You're bad, right? You're bad. No, we don't naturally love our enemies. Jesus is calling us to participate more deeply in God's own life of love. And one of, the ex one of the ways that our living in and out of God's own life of love, one of the ways that that's expressed is loving our enemies. So we are caught up in this exchange to become God's holy people, to be renewed by him. And this then is the shape of our renewal. And when we're able to do this, right, when we're able to persevere in the lives of great and costly love that God has called us to, we will have our reward. Because we'll know the goodness of God, not simply from afar, but also from within. And we will, we will experience for ourselves what God wants to do, not only in us, but also through us, as he lifts up his fallen world in the power of self-giving love.